The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Listen, this is quite serious. This guy's suffering from depression because he's been in the armed forces. I don't know. I don't know what he's been through. I don't know what he's seen. I don't know whether he's shot and killed people. I don't know. But I know this. The depression that comes is from darkness. Okay? It's from darkness. And people who are involved in the armed forces, they face many incredible pressures that are on their lives. They see things that most human beings don't see. That trauma, it affects their spirits. Now, we understand that we are spiritual beings, first and foremost. The spirit realm, as we've been talking about Daniel, the spirit realm is a real realm. And in that realm, there are things that happen that can affect people's lives. They can affect them, so when they come out of the armed forces or they're, they're on leave or whatever, they suffer from all sorts of pressures, sense of uh, wanting to kill themselves, all those sorts of things, depression that comes upon them. But in the name of Jesus, we have power to stand. Not power because of, of we are being strong, but it says that if we belong to Christ, we are seated with him, and listen to this, far above, far above every other power and principality and name that can be named. That's where we're seated. So it's because of Jesus that we're seated up there. And I just want to pray again for Frankie. I want us to come against the spirit of death. Okay? The spirit of death wants to bring death to people. It wants to cause them to go down. And we're believing that God is going to do something. He's going to arrest this. But we're praying in the name of Jesus... And we're praying against every form of darkness that is coming against his life. God wants to call him out of darkness into the kingdom of light. But the powers of darkness want to block his mind, block his understanding, create fear and panic around him that he would withdraw. But we're standing against that. So it's like we're standing against a wall. You can see a wall. Frank is the other side of it. But our prayers are going to penetrate through that wall in Jesus' name. We've come to break down the barriers. We have come to remove the obstacles that God can work in his life. Amen? So I'll just be praying here with Gushan because she is his sister. So it's a point of contact with the family. So she is representing Frankie, so we're going to be praying. So can you just stand up on your feet with that in mind? You can imagine the wall, okay? It's good to see the wall because you know I'm breaking through this wall with my prayers. I'm standing against this opposition. I am coming against this depression in the name of Jesus, that it may be broken. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our voices to you. We lift up Frankie to you, and we pray for him in Jesus' name, that you would come, and that you would hear our prayers, oh God, and that you would break the powers of darkness that are coming against him. We rebuke the spirit of death that comes upon him. We rebuke this depression that comes against him in Jesus' mighty name. We stand with authority in the name of Jesus and we plead the blood of Jesus over his life. 
We lay hold of his soul in Jesus' name and we say his soul was purchased by the King of glory. He belongs to God and therefore we call him out of darkness into the light of your kingdom. Father, will you please, oh God, move in this situation. Will you show your glory as we stand against the darkness that is coming against him. All confusion, we command you to go in the name of Jesus. Disruption, we command you to go in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of oppression and depression, we command you to lift off of him in Jesus' name. Lord, will you come and send your light? Will you send your peace? Will you send your glory upon him, Lord? That he may be saved, that he may be made whole in the name of Jesus. And that, Father, that you would operate in his life to bring him and to cause him to work for your purposes. We lift him before you, O oh God, and pray blessing over him in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Gusha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just while you're still standing, I know there's lots of prayer here, but uh, JB has a dear aunt, Aunt Jay. This woman and her husband, her husband actually had connections with the East African Revival. They are prayer warriors. She is a prayer warrior. Her husband passed away. She is a prayer warrior. And it says that she uh, suffered a heart attack and she's been admitted to hospital. But she's just asking for people to pray for her. Can we just lift our Aunt Jay? Aunt Jay is who we're praying for. Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are the God who cares. We thank you that you are the God who knows. We thank you that you are the God who understands. We thank you that you are the God who can work for our good in and through every circumstance. So we pray for Aunt Jay, Lord. We pray for her, Father, that your blessing would be upon her, that your healing would be upon her. Raise her up, oh God. Lord, cause her heart to be repaired in Jesus' name. Cause no damage, no lasting damage to be in her heart muscles. Lord, we pray, let her heart operate. Let her heart work again fully, oh God, and bring her through this situation as a testimony of your glory, as a trophy of your grace, oh God, we pray. So bless her and keep her, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do please take your seats. God is good all of the time, and all of the time, God is good. That's what we're believing. No matter what happens. Now, we've been looking at Daniel, and we've been using the book of Daniel and the stories of Daniel to help us understand things in our own lives. I said early on that Daniel is really just like us. Except when you read the book and you think, like, hang on a second, this guy is doing amazing things, so how can he be like us? But you see, he is like us because his God is our God. His God is the same today as he was in Daniel's time today. Nothing's changed. So if that God can work through his servant Daniel, that God, our God, can work through us in the same way. So first of all, we want to be encouraged is to think like Daniel, well, he's just a normal guy. But he has a mighty God. So for us, we think, well, we're a bit frail, we're a bit this, we're a bit that, we're not always strong. Correct. But do we have someone who is with us? Someone who is greater? Someone who is able to help us in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our failings? Yes, we do. And God takes us through all circumstances. But God is at work in our lives. And so often when we're reading about circumstances and we'll read about some today, we're thinking like, oh no, surely not. What's going to happen? In every circumstance, God is still on the throne. And he is able to help us. 
But we're hearing difficulties, we're hearing problems, we're hearing of difficult circumstances. I don't understand them all. And I know that there's darkness at work. The enemy, Satan, hates people and he wants to destroy people. But God is good and he works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He's at work in every circumstance. So when we're going to work this week and you've missed the train or this happens or that, and I know there's a sense of woe is me that comes into us. But rather than woe is me, we want to declare, my God is in control no matter what the circumstances, and I am going to believe in him that he is able to do far abundantly above more than I can even ask or imagine at this moment in time. Because he is good, he is for me, not against me. He is my strength and my shield. He is the lifter of my head, and I will proclaim, no matter what my mind is saying, no matter what my feelings are saying, God is on the throne and he is able. And this is what Daniel was like. That is what he was like with his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Last week we were looking at this dream where Daniel interpreted the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had said, I've had a dream, it troubles me. Can you tell me what it is? Well, everybody's saying, well, tell us the dream. Tell us what you heard. Tell us what you saw, and we'll interpret it. I'm not having any of that. You tell me the dream. And Daniel, with his friends, went in prayer before God, in desperation. Father, you are the only one who knows. Apart from Nebuchadnezzar, who you revealed the dream to, you are the only one who knows. Now, in your mercy and grace, Father, will you reveal to us that dream? And when we're reading in uh, Daniel chapter 2 of that story, then you see that Daniel suddenly breaks out into worship because God has shown him in a vision what the dream is. Of course he worshipped. When you had no idea, you had no inkling, you didn't know what the dream could be about, and suddenly you know everything about it, you know that God is God. You know that he has come and encountered you. And it declares that God was the revealer of mysteries, because that is what he is. Our God knows everything. You know those instruction manuals you've got at home, tucked away somewhere? never been looked at because we're so, so much we think we know what we're doing. I know which button to press. I know how this works. And it's only when you get to the end result, you think, actually, I don't know, that you actually open up one of those manuals. That's the truth, isn't it? Uh, no, Helen, it reminds me about things. So I can't repeat these things. All I'm confessing to you is that I also am one of those that don't always read the manual. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Like the smoker, is what Helen said, but we won't worry about that. The wood chips should have been soaked. But anyway, that's, not, that's another story. And those that don't need to know, don't need to know. Look, we have a God who knows everything. Everything. So rather than leaving our instruction manual or God to one side, we need to go to him because he knows everything. Father, my heart is wounded. I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to get over this depression or upset or hurt or whatever it may be. I don't know, but you know all things. And you are able to help me. Because he knows everything. So let's make sure we avail ourselves of our God and his instruction booklet to us, the Word of God. So last week, as I say, Daniel's been interpreting the dream. We're breaking at the beginning, oh, we've got three headings today. An image, a fire, a dream. 
An image, a fire, a dream. First of all, an image, but we're picking up from last week. Daniel 2, verses 46 to 47, read like this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. So we see that Daniel, in his prayers, in his intercession, in the, in the connections that he got in the royal palace and where he was, praying for the nation, what an amazing situation had come about. He, had able to, he was able to deal with the king Nebuchadnezzar. He was able to explain the dream. He was able to present the fact that God is able to do these things. And if you remember from last week, Daniel didn't say, like, oh, I'm able to do this. He just said, no, no, no man can do it. But there is a God who is able to do these things. So he had pointed consistently to God and we see that that had an effect upon Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar's heart was being softened with the fact that surely your God is the God of all gods. Now that's great, but as we turn the page and we go into the next chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, then we're reading now that Nebuchadnezzar is building an image 90 feet high. <laughs> this is... This is big, 90 feet high, but it's thin. It's only nine foot wide. doesn't always describe my personal physique. Tall and thin. No, 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 I'm a little bit wider than that. It's, this tall, thin image is being set up. Now, actually, we don't know that that was an image of Nebuchadnezzar. It doesn't say, oh, and he made an image of himself. It just says he made an image, an image of gold. Now, I wonder, in the interpretation that Daniel bought of the previous dream, it was this image of, uh, uh, it was an image of a man, and the top part was gold, and then the next bit was made of iron and, and different metals until the feet were mixed iron and clay. And the interpretation of the dream was describing different kingdoms that were going to come. But as Daniel interpreted that dream, he said to Nebuchadnezzar, and you, O Nebuchadnezzar, are the head of gold. Now, you just wonder... Now we've come into this next chapter. He set up, what, an image. Guess what color it is? Gold. <laughs> you sort of think, like, I wonder. I wonder if he'd sort of like, wow, your God is the God of all gods. And I'm actually saying, like, you know what this nation needs? We need to pull together. Our nation needs to pull together. This is the great Babylon. The new Babylon. Let's create a new Babylonian society. Let's have an image that everybody worships. Let's have cohesive society. You hear the politics in that, can't you? The similar things that we get in our nation today. If we could only be like this, then we'll come together as a nation. And there's something that Nebuchadnezzar had abandoned in seeking after this God of all gods. And so he had set up this image 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, of gold, and he's getting everybody in the nation to bow down before it. That's what he decided to do. It's a shame because he's turning his back upon God and he seems to be saying, let's have a new society. We have lots of people that make decisions about new societies. Even it was referred to, Johnny talked about in Northern Ireland, they've had this vote last week about the ability for them now to be able to have abortion in that nation. And there's a sense in which the Prime Minister is saying, this is a new se season, this is great for our nation. And I understand that there are sometimes medical reasons for these things. 
for saving the life of a, of a woman. But this is great sadness. Because you see, what's happened is there's been an elevation of humanity. We know what is right. We must have our rights. Nobody has the right to be over us and to tell us what to do. We have the rights for our own bodies and our own decisions. You see, there is an image that is raised up over our nations today, and that image is this, where we promote ourselves, where we worship ourselves, where we worship our independence, where we worship our ability, where we do not need to have the God who is above any other gods, because we have become like gods in ourselves. What happened in Nebuchadnezzar's day really is still the same, except that we don't have an image of 90 feet high or 9 feet wide made of gold that we're worshipping, but we worship ourselves. So we're foolish to think, does this book have anything to say to us? Yes, of course it has plenty to say to us. Nebuchadnezzar, though, he hadn't recognised that there were a people living in his land who refused to serve any other god than the god of all gods, Jehovah. And there's Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are picked out because obviously they had been part of the crowd that were being asked to bow down and to worship when they heard the music, to bow down and worship to this uh, image. They refused to do so. And therefore, their names were brought before the king. There's a people, O king, who live amongst us who refuse to serve this God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brought in. They were both polite, and yet they were resolute before the king. Let's go to our second point, the fire. When they come in to see Nebuchadnezzar, he's furious with them. But, like any good king, he offers them a second chance. Guys, maybe you got confused. Maybe you didn't understand what was being asked of you. So when you hear the music, and I read from Daniel 3, verse 15, now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? When you are certain of what you are doing and how you are living, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, then they had no need to rethink because they had already become resolute in what they were doing. So instead, they just respectfully answer the king, which we can read in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. His three men who were resolute. Here's three men who had made their minds up. Not on that day. It's not just like they got called in before the king. Oh, gosh, how, what is it we think? What is, how do we behave? What, what do we need to do? We haven't really worked this out. Ages ago they'd worked out. 
Ages ago, they recognized our God is the God of all gods. What is he worthy of? Our total lives. Ages ago, they had surrendered themselves to God. A long while ago, they had made a decision. I will serve no other God than the God of heaven and earth, the great I am that we have been singing about this morning. They'd made that decision. And you see, ages ago when they made that decision, they had died to themselves. They no longer lived, but God lived in them. And that's how they carried on their lives. Now, that is exactly what we are. Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in him. And that's what Christians, everybody who's given themselves to Christ, we are moving to that same place. And I say moving because there is a moving that's required. Because we, don't, we say, Jesus, I, I want you to come and live within me. I want you to have my life. But we don't really know quite what we're saying at that point. And then as life goes on, we start to realize, oh, you want, you want that part of my life. You want my work life. Oh, you want my thought life. Oh, you want all of me. Yes, I want all of you. Our lives do not belong to us, but they belong to him who gave his life for us. That is what Christianity is about. It's about us surrendering to him. And you see, when we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were full, full Christians. They had given themselves to God, no matter what the consequences. So when there's a situation of, right, you need to do something that God doesn't want you to do, it's okay. We've already made our minds up. We don't do that. Yeah, but what if somebody says you're going to die? Listen, we died ages ago. Whatever he wants is what we will do. That's why they were able to say, our God is able to save us. Why? Because he's a mighty God who can do anything. But that's why it doesn't just stay there as an arrogant statement. Our God is able to save us. They go on to say the truth of where they were at. But even if he doesn't, you need to know we're not bowing down. You see, they had given themselves to God. When I started off, I began saying early, earlier, when I first came up here, about the fact that God is in control. And they were believing that. You see, even if he doesn't save us from the fire, it doesn't stop him being God, it doesn't stop us serving him, it doesn't stop us giving our lives to him, that's what we've already decided. If he is God, he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of our lives, he's worthy of everything. And so therefore, that is the position that they took before Nebuchadnezzar. We already have given our lives to God. So what he says is what goes. I am challenged by this. I'm in a process of seeking to give my whole life to God. And I say that because I believe that's where we're all in. We're all saying like, oh, I've given my life to Jesus. But you see, giving our lives means we become dead people. And I find I still respond when people say things against me, or I'm still trying to make, you know, justify situations. That doesn't sound like a dead person. A dead person can't speak back. A dead person is not trying to justify themselves. A dead person is silent. We have much to learn. But what we see with these guys is they had learned to surrender their lives. And they had faith in their God. He is able to save us. And God is able to save each one of us from any circumstance because he is God. He is able. But even if he doesn't, you need to know, O king, we are not bowing down. 
We're not changing. We're remaining resolute because he's our God and we are serving him. Let it be known who we're serving. Do people know who you serve in your life? Are people aware of the fact that you are Christians and that you belong to him? There's incredible power in Shadrach, Meshach, and I get Bednego's position because they've already died. What else can happen? What else can happen? I died ages ago. So though you may kill the flesh, Jesus has my spirit. He is holding on. And that will last for eternity because he will never let me go. The bottom line was they were trusting in God, in who he is and what he can do. And that's what we also need to do. Daniel 3 verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar, he was pretty relaxed about this. It doesn't say that. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Furious. You know when we get angry, why we get angry? It's usually because something has been blocked. We, we're wanting to do something, and suddenly there's a blockage that comes. Nebuchadnezzar was just wanting an easy life. He wants everybody, come on, everybody worship this image. Let's all be together. And these guys are saying, no way. What? No way. It's blocked. So of course he gets furious. He gets angry at them. He was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. I said you're going to go in the furnace you refuse to bow down into the furnace you are going. That's it. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So some of the king's men died. That's what this is telling us. As they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, into the, fir the flames came and killed them. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnaces. Into the blazing furnace. You know, we need to recall at this stage what God says. God says that he will never leave us. In Matthew when we're reading about the Great Commission, you know when it says Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely, he goes on to say, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That's a promise that we have. And surely I will be with you always. I will be with you. I can't feel as though you're with me. Yeah, but I have promised that I will never leave you. And again in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That's what we can say. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were holding on to this God. They were holding on to the fact that he is not going to leave them, that he is with them, and they fall into the fiery furnace. Then it goes on to say in Daniel 3.24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men? Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God's. <laughs> I think you could have heard a pin drop in that situation. What do you make of this? You see, what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had said, we will not bow down. You can throw us into the fire. Our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, but the God who has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. In the midst of the furnace, he turns up. And he is there. And he is walking with them. Because he has promised. Don't you find encouragement from this? What furnace are you facing? And, and let's face facts, the furnaces look like different things. They can look like depression to one person. They can look like a job loss to another person. They can look like a close relative that's ill or sick. They can look like the fact that you're facing some sort of mystery illness. You don't know. All sorts of financial pressures. All sorts of pressures. Family pressures. Work pressures. The furnace can look like different things for different people. But we need to hear this. Our God is able and is with us in the furnace because he has said I will never leave you I will never forsake you the thing is in our situations we don't liken it to the fiery furnace oh there's no flames, there's no heat I've not been bound I'm still able to, to live I'm still able to eat, I'm still able to do things by myself but we forget God has said I will never leave you in our minds when we face pressures the first thing we often think is oh he's left me where's God? You see, our minds don't tell us the truth. The truth is that he is with me. No matter how I feel. But I have to tell myself that. I have to instruct myself with that. I have to take hold of that promise and say, you have said you will never leave me, you will never forsake me. Therefore, I am able to declare to everybody around me, if God is for me, who can be against me? We have to be strong in him. We have to take hold of him. Because when we do, we can have situations like this in the midst of the fight. Weren't there three people? What's all this? Where's the fourth one? Do you know what the fourth one looks like? God himself. Even in the fire, I am with you. Even in the fire. You feel like you're going through fire? He's with you. He's with you. And he is able to deliver you. And even if he doesn't deliver you on day one or two or three, or it doesn't seem like deliverance, he hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. Can you hear that? He hasn't left you. The enemy wants to lie and cheat and steal from you, but God wants you to know this. I haven't left you. I am with you. 
even in the fire, God is still with us. It goes on to say, like in verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, listen, servants of the Most High God. You know how the testimony, their testimony is being declared before them. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. If you're doing a barbecue this afternoon, you know how the smell of the fire is on you. You can't help but you, have, you cook your sausages, or rather you blacken your sausages, because I don't always cook them. We try to crisp them. As we're doing that, the smell of the fire comes on you. They came out of the fire, there was no smell on them. God is able to deliver you from the furnace. He is able to help you. Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Jesus, help us. Help us. Help us that we might be willing to give up our lives rather than serve and worship anybody else. That's the situation that they were in. They were willing to give up their lives. The king went on to say, Therefore I decree, verse 29, Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. When God shows himself, it transforms. It transforms. This is Nebuchadnezzar, who a short while before was saying, if you don't bow down to the image, you're going to be thrown into the fire. Now God had come and changed everything. And now Nebuchadnezzar is declaring that if anybody doesn't think about this God or trust this God or believe in this God, their houses are going to be turned to rubbish because no other God can save in this way. And it then says that Nebuchadnezzar promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I believe that Daniel, as a man of God, he was praying daily for Nebuchadnezzar. I don't think he always knew quite exactly what he had to pray for, but I believe that God was causing him to pray for the well-being and the salvation of Nebuchadnezzar. And they interceded for him. And I believe that that's through those prayers and through the lifestyle that they lived of being set apart for God, of having died to themselves and of trusting only in God, that they saw that God was able to deliver them. We're not going to be able to get on to our third point today, but we can pick up on that perhaps next week. But it's challenging for us because where can we take this for ourselves? 
there are people in your world who make you feel like you're going into a fire. They are the people who we don't particularly want to pray for because they're already frustrating us. They're already annoying us. They're already causing complications. Whether that be our mums and dads or whether it be our boss at work or the teacher at our school or something like that. Those people are frustrating us. They need intercession. We need to pray for them. We need to be calling upon God because God can do and use different circumstances to bring about change. But he needs us. And he needs us to be sold out for him. So what Nene's message is about is this. Is are you surrendered to him? Are you willing to lay your life down? Jesus, all of me. All of me. My reputation. What others think of me, I lay it down because you are in charge. You who've given yourself for me, you're able to do anything in my life. I surrender to you. Everything. As we surrender to him, as we die, you know what surrendering? Surrendering is when like in the Old Testament, they came to the altar, they came to the bronze altar, and at that altar is where they killed the sheep and they laid the sheep down for their sins, the forgiveness of their sins. But what happens at that altar is death. We come to that altar in our prayers. When we come and say, Jesus, here I am, we're coming to that altar. But there's no point in having a sacrifice that jumps off. You have to stay on the altar and the fire of God needs to come upon you and burn you. You need to die. But so often with us, we go to the altar because we understand what it means. We go there because we offer ourselves because we need to offer ourselves. But we don't want to stay on the altar in case the fire burns us. So we offer our lives, but then quick, whoo, whoo, got a bit hot there, and we run away. That's not dying. That's holding on to your life. Jesus wants us to give our lives. So as we surrender to him on that altar and allow him to do his work, then we become free people because we die to him. And now when we die to him, we can now live for him praying for those people, doing the things that his kingdom is asking us to do so that we can see his kingdom come and the change start to happen in our society around us. Praise God for this man, Daniel. But remember that we are like him. We are like him.